to oh, right page 575 page 575 where he leads I'll follow Sweet are the promises, kind is the word, dearer far than any message man ever heard. Pure was the mind of Christ, sinless was he. He the great example is and pattern for me. Where he leads I'll follow, follow all the way. Where he leads I'll follow, Follow Jesus every day. Sweet is the tender love Jesus had shown, sweeter far than any love that mortals have known. Kind to the erring one, faithful is he. He the great example is and pattern for me. Where he leads, I'll follow, follow all the way. Where he leads, I'll follow, follow Jesus every day. At this time, we'll have all the children, 11 and under, dismissed to the junior church. Let's sing that last verse. Listen to his loving words, come unto me. Weary, heavy laden, there is sweet rest for thee. Trust in His promises, faithful and sure. Lean upon the Savior and thy soul is secure. Where He leads, I'll follow, follow all the way. Where He leads, I'll follow, follow Jesus every day. Amen. You may be seated. And just before the is going to uh, sing a song, and just before she sings that, I just want to remind you, do you remember when you got saved, amen? amen. You found the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Then you realize that power took all your sins away, but he didn't save us to be sitting still, amen? amen. He saved us to do something. And uh, this morning, we've got a great privilege. At the end of our service, we're going to be baptizing uh, a young lady that just got saved a couple weeks ago and wants to follow the Lord in baptism and unite with Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Every one of the missionary presentations we have seen this week, evangelization, going out winning people, baptizing them, teaching them, that's, that's what Open Door is all about. That's what every church of Jesus Christ is all about. And that's what missions is all about. And we just want to help them. So I want you to uh, listen to the words of the song. And as soon as she's done singing, Preacher, you're up. As a little child, God saved me. I became his very own. From that day he walked beside me, I have never been alone. Through the valleys or the mountains, down each path of every mile, he has shared my joys and sorrows, every tear and every smile. I do it 
in an old man's heart. <laughs> I thought what I was talking to you about the other day when she used to sing at Cleveland Baptist and that great crowd of people, it was just a hush. I, I was sitting up here and just felt like that 20 years ago. You're an example of a godly woman. Here's, here's one for you. You can have all the glory and fame this world has to offer, but it fades away. Only what you do for Christ in His name, for His glory. The only thing that really counts. You know, there's one thing you can always uh, twist an atheist or agnostic or somebody that hates Christianity or doesn't believe in God. You can always knock them down with this. I challenge you to find one instance in writing, in history, in memory, where a man who lived a wicked life didn't believe in God or a woman, when they died, they said, I'm so happy that I lived the way I did. 
And I'm, I'm just full of joy for all the wickedness in my life. Now, you won't find one. You can't find. You can't find a record of that. The only thing I find are people crying and bewailing the fact that they wasted their life and they have nothing before them. But I can give you the testimony of millions. You won't find, you won't find a record of where a man or a woman ever believed in Jesus Christ when it came time to die and said, I'm sorry I'm a Christian. I never should have become a Christian. I never should have trusted Christ. I never should have wasted my life. You can't find one such testimony anywhere in the world. But you can find thousands of testimonies where men and women, wealthy and famous and so on, die in misery and pain and despair because they wasted their life. Here's a life that's been lived that's worthwhile. And yours can be too if you'll just trust the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 142. 142. I want to give you today, if I can, the greatest example of the fulfilling of the Great Commission that I can find, even though it's Old Testament. It's an example of what we're trying to do, should be doing, ought to be doing. And to some degree, this church is doing. Doesn't mean it can't improve. We can always, in in fact, uh, the whole purpose of this week of meetings is to do more this coming year than we did last year. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, you know a biz, a biz, in the world, a business exists to expand. They, they, they want to uh, expand uh, new factories, new customers, new products, better products, more profits. That's the business of the world. And the Lord said we can learn some things from the world. And certainly a church ought to want to expand. Expand its ministry. I, I was uh, watching Karen's uh, presentation. She's one of our kids from Cleveland Baptist Church we're so proud of. And, and we have, I think, a hundred or more that are out, missionaries and evangelists, preachers, school teachers, serving the Lord. And uh, we, we want to have more. He's <laughs> never satisfied. And, and I, as I mentioned in Sunday school, all the support that's going out here, we want to support more missionaries. We want to decrease. We want to increase. Anything less than an increase would be a failure. So God help us to think about that as we think about this message. Think about the little card we're going to fill out and drop in the offering plate concerning our missionary offering for this next year. May God help you to do what, what, what your faith enables you to do, what, what you can trust God for to, to enable God, God can decrease your outgo. Did you know He can do that? He can decrease your outgo or He can increase your income. And that's what, that's what we're doing by giving by faith, not necessarily what we feel we can even afford, but what we desire and, and God wants to give us the desires of our heart so He will supply that. Well, here in this, uh, in this psalm, just seven verses long, this was, by the way, the hymn book of Israel. These were songs that they chanted and sang in their worship to God. Um, we're, we're all familiar with some of them, especially like Psalms 23 or Psalms 1 and 2 or Psalms 119 or the Messianic Psalms. And uh, they would come as, as, as uh, they didn't have hymn books back then. But uh, they had the words down. They had the Word of God. They would memorize. They would learn. Most of us go to church very often. We know a number of hymns, Amazing Grace, 
We don't have to look at the book. We know the words. We, what a friend we have in Jesus. Some we're not familiar with. Do you know that first song we sang here? All the preaching I do, all the churches I've been in and pastoring for 40 years. I've never sung that song before. It's a beautiful song. Oh, what a, can't, I forgot it already. See, you can't memorize when you're old. What was the name of that first song, Peter? He already forgot it too. Huh? No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was the second one then. Somebody took my sins away? or Yeah, I'd never heard that before. And that's something. All the preaching I've done, all the churches I've been in. He took my sins away. What a great song. And, and that's what they have. Well, we'll sing Psalms 3 today. Or we'll sing Psalms 9 today. Or we'll sing 23rd Psalm today. Or 119th Psalm. We'll be here all day. <laughs> About 176 verses. But um, it, it's a music plays such a, a wonderful part in worship. And here in this, this psalm, it's, it's kind of a sad psalm. It's very somber, very sober. And I, I think we can equate to it because we've all gone through it to some measure. You know, it, when, it, when, a man, when a man or a woman suffers a certain way, if we've gone through the same suffering, we can, we can uh, sympathize with them. We can feel their hurt and their, and their sorrow. I, I've, uh, in, in my lifetime, conducted over 800 funerals. 800 funerals. I just happened to be in Cleveland a couple of weeks ago, and one of our dear members died, and Pastor Folger was gone, and I did the funeral. And uh, I, I buried little children and babies and young people. But for me to tell a husband and wife, I know just how you feel, would be a lie. Because I've never lost a child, and I've never lost a grandchild. I can't imagine it. I can't even imagine it. And so I don't tell somebody that. But, but when you read or you hear or you talk to somebody that's gone through a series of illnesses or pain or sorrow or disappointment, and you've gone through the same thing, bitterly you've gone through it, you can say, I understand. You can be a help to them and a comfort to them. I, I went through that, but God saw me through it, and, and the light will shine again. The sun will come out, believe me. Time will heal your wounds. You can say that because you've experienced it. Now here's a man, though I've never been a king, nor you. A man, the ruler over Israel, betrayed by his own son, cast out on the run. The king, the royalty, on the run. D disappointed, discouraged, feeling abandoned by God and man. He was inspired to write this psalm. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Please underscore that phrase. That's our sermon. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about. 
for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. No man cared for my soul. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, help me to deliver this message, this sermon, clear, plain, concise, understandable. Lord, may each one here, no matter what their background or their language or their culture, may they understand the Word of God today. May they understand. I think there's one thing we share around this world. We all cry the same. We all, we all have tears in our eyes, the same tears. We all know what grief is. And so may God speak to our hearts today. And if there be someone among us in this meeting that never been saved by the grace of God, never been saved by the blood of Christ. They've been deluded into some false religion or false teaching. They're depending upon their good works or, or, or whatever it may be to save them. They cannot save them. It, it will send them to hell. They need Jesus Christ. He is the only one. So bless this sermon and the invitation and the offering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. No man cared for my soul. No man. All they care about is my money. I've heard that enough as a preacher. And, and, and it may seem that way sometime, and I, I guess in some religions it is. I mean, with the, the ornate things that they have, the costly uh, temples and buildings and uh, all of the things that are going on, and it's always money, always fundraising. Uh, they're even using the world to do it, to raise great sums of money to build great buildings and so on. All they care about is my money. All they care about is my talent. You know, you have a talent. All of us has some talent. I, I had a young man come to our church in Cleveland years ago. And he had just gotten out of jail and he came. He was, he was a drug addict. And, and he was just, he was not well educated. He, he wasn't well kept and so on, but he got saved. And uh, he came to church. And I mean, God changed his life. He really didn't know hardly how to read before he came to church. He'd spent a good part of his life in jail, and he began to follow the Scriptures and listen to the preaching. And uh, it was almost too late for him to do anything intellectually or to, to, uh, to be able to be used to reach lots of people. But I'll tell you, he, he asked me one time if he could be an usher. And I said, you bet you can, brother. You're living for God. He didn't dress the best, and he wasn't sharp, and he didn't have a good vocabulary greeting people, but he had a smile a mile wide. I tell you, he was so happy that God had, had taken those drugs away, and God had given him a new life, and he was happy now. I mean, he, I, I don't care if we had 2,000 people on Sunday. He'd make sure he shook everybody's hand. He was just there. He came early, and he stayed late. And he had that smile. He couldn't carry on really a, a long, intelligent conversation. But, but, but he could tell you that God saved him and that his life was changed. And I'll tell you what. I used to be gone from church a lot and preach in other meetings. Someone would fill the pulpit. And, and, and a lot of times I don't even think my congregation missed me. But I'll tell you, if Pete missed one service, Pete Coomer, if he missed one service, I'd be, where's Pete? Where's Pete? Where's Pete? I don't care who they were, the rich or the poor, anybody else. They knew Pete because Pete was there with a warm smile to shake their hand. That's a talent, brother. That's a talent. If you don't have any other talent, maybe you could do that. Maybe you could stand at the door and just make sure you greet everyone with a smile. Say, God bless you. We're glad you're here. We love you. We hope that God will, uh, God will bless you today. I'm telling you, that's a talent. And he had it. 
But some people think that's all they want. I, well, well, we'd love to have Julia come to our church because she plays the piano so well or, plays the, or, or somebody sings so well. And I mean, that's fine, but, but if that's all you care about, you don't care about the person, you just care about their talent. That's what David's talking about. I want somebody who cares about my soul, about me, not, not that I was or am king or, or, or not because I, I, I'm wealthy or not because I have great power. I want somebody just to care for my soul. And I believe that's what people are crying out today. Uh, they care about my inf- Oh, if we could get uh, the mayor of New York, whoever he is, I know, Bloomberg, I, if we get the mayor of New York to come and be a member of our church. And be in the service, throngs of people would come just to see him or, or, or maybe try to, uh, try to get something out of him or a special favor because they know he has great influence and great political power. But that isn't, if he's any kind of man, that isn't what he wants. Pe- people want to be loved, want to be recognized, want to be wanted just because of who they are. No man cared for my soul. They cared about me being king. I could, I could give them great wealth or great power or great influence, but nobody cared about my soul. Nobody cared about me. Just, just me. That's all. That's what, that's what people want. No one cares about me. That's the way it is in religion. It's, it's you're a viewer. That's all. You got a big television program. You're just a viewer. You're a number. You're a listener. You're, you're a supporter. You're an attender. But they don't care about you as an individual. They care about your soul. They care about the fact that the numbers go up. That everything gets larger. And, and maybe they can get an offering from you. That's all they care about. They don't care about whether you go to heaven or hell. I mean, think about it. Who cares about your soul? A church should care. I believe this church does. <clears throat> I believe this church has been caring for 13 years. And I believe they still do. I, I, I believe sincerely and honestly, and God knows my heart, I wouldn't even want to come and preach here if I didn't believe Pete Montoro loved your soul. And the souls of men in New York. Do you know there are places in this country, in the United States, around places in foreign fields, where a man can serve and have more people? I, I believe with Brother Montoro's talent and with his family, he could pastor a huge church have more influence and more income and more everything else. But he's here because God called him here. And because he loves the souls of lost men and women that live on these streets in Astoria and Queens. And so somebody should care. But in most churches, in most religions, you're just a number, you're a figure, you're a dollar sign. They don't care about your soul. If you never come back, you're here this morning, if you never come back to this church, if you never join this church, if you never put a dollar in the offering plate, this church cares about you. We want you to get saved today if you're not saved, whether you ever come back or not. We care about the souls of men. This church has other ministries. The, the world will never realize. You'll get no recognition for it. But we're not in it for recognition from the world. But there, but there are families that have been kept together because of this ministry. Their husbands and wives have been reconciled. There are young people that have been kept from the drug dealer and kept from the pornographer and kept from the evil of this city that surrounds this city. All of our major cities are they are just places of immorality. And this church cares, this pastor cares about your soul. Where are you going to spend eternity? Not the few years you have on this earth. 
But when you die, where will you go? The Bible only talks about heaven or hell. There's no such place as purgatory. There just isn't any such place. It's a figment of men's imagination. It really was inaugurated and initiated to make money so that people could go there and you could pay and pray to get them out. There is, when you die, there's only two places about. You either go to heaven when you die, or you go to hell. And if you go to heaven, you go forever. And if you go to hell, you go forever. And that's why we care, we care about that. We care about your soul. We don't want you to go to hell. Don't want anybody to go to hell. My father was a drunkard, an alcoholic, an abusive father, an abusive, uh, and an abusive husband. And, uh, put my mother out in the streets, my mother and I, as a, as a boy, we lived on the streets. Street people, sleeping in alleyways and wherever you can. That's the kind of man my father was. He died when he was 49 years old. I stood at his bedside. The last words I ever heard him speak was to curse God. And he died and went to hell. And I don't care who you are. You can be the finest lady and dress the finest in this city. You can have money and influence and whatever. But if you die without Jesus Christ, you'll die and go to hell forever. And we care about that. We don't want you to go to hell. You don't have to go to hell. Jesus died to keep you out of hell. He loves you and wants to save you. But the psalmist said, no man cared for my soul. Do you know in this city of Astoria and Queens and the Bronx and New York City, there are drug centers for youth. And not very successful, I'll tell you the truth. At least the ones in Cleveland aren't and the ones in Detroit aren't. Their, their percentages of cure-all and their percentages of helping is very small. But they're here, and they care. They're child abuse centers. We didn't have them when I was a boy. They're family counseling clinics, and they're alcoholic rehabilitation hospitals, and they're welfare agencies and food uh, dis- distribution centers and help for the agent. All these things are good, and I say nothing against them, but, but they're missing the most important, and that is the soul of men. If someone's hungry, feed them. Okay. If someone's naked, clothe them. Okay, fine. If someone needs help, help them. We ought to do that. The city ought to do that. Our community ought to do that. The churches ought to do that. But you're missing out on the most important thing. If you win a teenager to Christ, you'll save a young man from dope. If he really gets saved, he'll not get mixed up with a drug crowd. If you get a man saved, really saved, truly saved, honestly saved, sincerely born again with his faith in Jesus Christ, you'll save a man from being an abusive father, an abusive husband, or a needless, uh, idling uh, uh, man who doesn't work, lazy, who doesn't take care of his family. The Bible says a man doesn't take care of his own, he's worse than an infidel. But you'll save them from that if you can win them to Christ. What I'm saying is we need to have more emphasis upon the soul of man than upon the body of man. Now, as I say, we need to help the the poor and feed the hungry and all that, but we need to preach the gospel. We need to win them to Jesus Christ. We need to save their soul is is what we really need. Now, I want to ask you this question in the few moments that are given me this morning about who cares for your soul. Now, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go to a doctor that, didn't, that wasn't concerned about my health. That's what his job is. To be concerned about my body with all of his knowledge of medicine and surgery and everything else to help me stay alive. I, I, I wouldn't want to go to an employer that wanted to mistreat me or misuse me or not pay me. I want to go where I can work and get paid so I can take care of my family. <clears throat> but who cares about your soul? Who does? Who, who in this city 
really cares about whether you die and go to hell or go to heaven? Is there anybody that cares? Why? God cares. Can I give you a scripture for that? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish which means go to hell should not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, God cares about you. God cares about This is His creation. We are all creatures of God. We are not sons of God. We are not children of God. We are not daughters of God. We are God's creatures, creating His image, but fallen into sin and fallen away from His image. We've been tricked and duped and deceived by the devil. We are all sinners by nature, by birth, and by choice. And God cares about that. And so God, God produced, made a plan. Here's a way you can be saved. I sent my only begotten Son. God cares. Jesus cares. Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus really cares about you. Jesus loves you. Jesus does not want you to go to hell. When I was a young man, I got into alcohol just like my father, and I became an alcoholic before I was 17 years old. Nobody cared about me. Nobody cared. All they cared is if I had some money, they'd be glad to sell me more liquor. It didn't matter how much liquor I drank. They were always willing to sell you more if you had the money. If you didn't have the money, get out. Nobody cared about me. Wasn't anybody cared? My mother cared. She prayed for me. But I mean, people didn't care in general. You're, you're a nuisance. You're, you're dirty. You're filthy. You don't have any money. Get out of here. But I found out one day that, that Jesus cared about me. When I got down right to the bottom, you know, some people have to go all the way. I'm so dumb. You know, I'm, I'm so hard-headed. I have to learn the hard way. But sometimes you get down to the bottom. You, there's no, you can't go any farther. And you think no one cares. No one cares. My sweetheart sister, who was a drunkard herself, but got saved. And I went to visit her in Akron, Ohio one day. I went up there just to see her. And they were having a revival meeting at the old Akron Baptist Temple, a great church. Thousands of people. And they were having a revival there. A fellow named B.R. Lakin was preaching the gospel. And she got me to go on a Friday night, Easter week, and and there were there maybe 4,000 people in the auditorium. Back in those days, everybody dressed up to go to church. I mean, they dressed up. I think every man in that, every man in that church had a three-piece suit on. And I came in with a dirty, ragged T-shirt. And everybody back then, they were careful about the way they, they were clean when they went to church. And I was dirty. I mean, physically dirty. Physically, I smelled. And, and, and less than 19 years old, I, I didn't have my teeth. I, I looked like a haggard old man almost, dirty and vile and stinking. And I thought there I was sitting in the midst of all of these wonderfully dressed people that looked so fine and everything. But, you know, he, he preached that night. And God got a hold of my heart and said, Son, I love you. And I, and I, I got out of that seat and I walked down to an old-fashioned altar and I got down. The first time in my life I felt a man put his arm or around my shoulder. The only man I knew was my father who said, Roy, you don't deserve to live. You're no good. You're rotten. You're worthless. You're just a nuisance. I, I just wish you'd get out of here. That's all I ever heard from my father and get a beating. But here a man dressed up clean and nice put his arm around my shoulder and said, Son, what do you need? <laughs> he showed me. He showed me what Jesus did for me and I prayed and asked Him to save me. 
And I got up from there. I was just as dirty as I was when I got down on the outside, but I sure wasn't dirty on the inside anymore. God cleansed me from all of my sins. Somebody, my sister, somebody cared for my soul. We've got to care for the souls of men. You know, my heart breaks every time I see anybody in a wheelchair, anybody hobbling on crutches, or anybody that's in pain and, and, and can't get around. My heart goes out to them. Here I am, strong, and I can walk and take care of myself. And my heart goes out to them, but do I care for their soul? What good does it do to pity somebody? What, what good does it do to feel sorry for somebody that doesn't have the things we think people need if we can't give them what they need? But what they really need is Christ. What they really need is salvation. And I can give them that. I can show them that. I have the answer to that problem. Jesus cares about my soul. Jesus cares about your soul. I'll tell you something else. People in heaven care. They really do. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, when somebody gets saved, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. It doesn't say the angels are rejoicing. The angels don't know anything about salvation. They never were lost. Jesus didn't die to save angels. Jesus died to save men and women. And when I get saved, if I've got loved ones up in heaven, and they, they know about it. They really, I mean, I can prove that in the Bible. Because when you get saved, the reservation sign goes up. See? Now, if you're one of these poor God-blessing Pentecostals, believe you get saved every other day again, they take the reservation sign down, put it back up, take it down, put it back up, take it down, put it back up. But when your name is written in the book of life, it's there forever. Nothing can erase it. And when an old drunken boy, when his mother died and went to heaven with a grieving heart, but now she's joyous, and then she sees her son's name go up there on the board, reserved, reserved, reserved in heaven for you. I believe there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. I believe people in heaven really care about your soul. I believe people in hell care. You've all heard the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man died and went to hell. Lazarus died and the angels carried him into Abraham's bosom. And in hell the rich man lift up his eyes and seeth Abraham afar off and cried to him, Father Abraham, <clears throat> send someone to my house to tell my four brothers lest they come to this place of torment. Listen, let me tell you something. I've had men laugh and scoff at me when I witnessed to them and said, Hey, I'll just go to hell with my drinking buddy. Don't worry about me. You won't have any friends in hell. There are no friends in hell. There's nothing but darkness and screaming and agony and pain and sorrow and separation from God. And that brother knew that his brother's coming to hell would intensify his suffering would make his suffering greater because he was the eldest and he was responsible. But he turned his back on God and worshipped money and now he's dead and in hell he can't do anything about it. But he says, oh, I want my brothers to be saved. Yeah, people in hell care. All saved people should care. Now, what would make you the happy? Now, now listen, I'm looking forward to the fake promise offering. The preacher's back there, he's salivating over it thinking about what we're going to get in that faith promise offering. That's what this is all about. And I understand that. But, but, but preacher, I'm sorry. I'd rather see five people saved than our offering go up. Now, I'd like to see the offering go up too, and it should, but I'd rather see five people saved, or four, or three, or two, or one. Amen. As God said, one soul is worth more than all the world. So, I mean, we should care. We, we, we should care. All saved people should care. 
We should never come. When we come to church, even though we worship God and love God, we come to church and no one gets saved, we ought to leave here a little bit sad. I mean, rejoicing that we've been with the people of God and heard the message and, and God's blessings and so on. But when, when somebody doesn't get saved, we ought to leave here a little bit sad. When I witness to somebody, when I witness to somebody and offer them salvation, show them how to be saved, and they turn it down, I don't walk away from there glad and say, okay, well, you're going to hell. It's a tough. I leave there weeping in my heart. I leave there sad that they had an opportunity to be saved and, di- and didn't do it and may never have another opportunity. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. You know, you know not what a day will bring forth. All you've got is right now. All you've got is today. Nothing else. No more time. Just now. God says today is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. Second Corinthians 6.2 And you better take it now while you have the chance. And all of us ought to care about the souls of men. This church cares. I believe that. What do you think we're having a missionary conference for? What do you think it's all about? Just getting money? It's about sending people out to win souls to care about the souls of men. That's what it's all about. That's why Karen's in Mexico. That's why Bob Mack is in, in the Ivory Coast. And that's why these other missionary names and countries you've got, that's why they're there because they care about the souls of men there so they can win them to Christ. We should care. The church cares. I care. You know, I... I, I I, I, I'm not being melodramatic now, but I don't know how long I got to live. I've lived three years past what God promised already. Three score and ten. But I really don't know how much time I got. I, I just beat leukemia and I got prostate cancer. I, I don't know. Uh, Brother Pete might ask me back in two years. I might not be here on this earth in two years. I had a fellow call me the other day and asked me for a meeting somewhere 2007 or 2008. And I said, well, I'd be glad to come if old Luke doesn't get me. He said, Luke, Luke who? I said, Luke, keep me, buddy. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're living, we're living a day at a time. I mean, I was in the hospital, there were, there were children in there with cancer. Young people in there with cancer, they're gonna die. I care. I came up here because I care. I didn't come here, I loved seeing my friends. And I love, as I was talking about our meal upstairs, I just love being around the kids. I love all of that stuff, but I didn't come for that. I came because I thought maybe I could win somebody to Christ. Maybe I could challenge some people to do more for missions, to win other people around the world. Most important question is, oh, do you care? It's strange today when we talk to people, it seems like they don't care. They're too busy. They're too busy. They, they think they're going to be too busy to die. They're just so busy. They're, they're work. I mean, here, here you, you, can, you can sense the pressure here in this city of New York. A, a pressure. There, there's a closed-in feeling. I'm just here. i got to work. i got to make money. Maybe I can live long enough, save up a little money and get out. I don't know what it is, but it, it, there's just pressure. And, and they care about this and they care about that and they care about something else. They don't have time to be religious. They don't have time for Christ. Don't have time for God. Don't have time to think about their soul. No man, listen, David said, no man cared about my soul. But my lands, if you don't care about your soul, you can be saved today. Right now. God said so. He provided for it. Jesus died. Just like this wicked old teenage alcoholic boy came to the altar and said, God save me. And he did. And he loves you as much as he loved me. And he'll save you right now.
if you'll come. We care. Let's bow our heads in prayer. few moments pastor going to take the offering we're concerned about that we care about that but right now i want you to put that out of your mind just for a minute put brother thompson out of your mind put put uh, your friends your family what you're going to do this afternoon this evening put that all out of your mind i just want to know if you're saved i care i just want to know if you're saved are you saved if you died listen i was preaching revival I had a woman drop over dead of a heart attack if if you died right here Probably won't happen. Unlikely. But if you died right here, right now, hey, hey, there wasn't anybody in the Twin Towers that expected to die the day they went to work. They had, they had no comprehension. In a moment's time, without, without any warning, death was there. They were gone. They, they, they were killed. They were murdered. They're dead. No, no time to repent. No time to pray. No time to go to church. No time to read their Bible. No time to ask God to save them. They're just dead. And you could die right here, right now, anytime, on the way home, accident, heart attack. If you died, where would you go? Would you go to heaven? Would you go to hell? And say, well, preacher, I do the best I can. It's not good enough. Nobody's doing the best I can. It's good enough. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. Only the blood of Christ can save you. Our heads are bowed in prayer. Please don't, anyone look around. Please don't look around. Heads are bowed in prayer. How many here can say, Preacher, listen to me carefully now. I'm, I'm being simple now. There's no reason for you to mis- misunderstand me. How many here can say, Preacher, I know that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I'm sure. I am saved and I know it. Put your hand up. Way up high. Put it way up high. Put it way up high. I know it. I know it. Thank you. Take them down. Thank you. Now, God bless you. I, I'm, I'm glad. I hope you understood. I'm, I'm not trying to trick anybody. I'm not in the trick business. I just want to know. And Some people didn't or couldn't or wouldn't raise their hand, and I don't know what your situation is. But if you're not saved, you couldn't raise your hand, would you let me pray for you? I won't call your name or embarrass you. Just slip your hand up and say, I need to be saved. I want to be saved. I don't want to die and go to hell. Pray for me. Just put your hand up. Just put it up. And nobody's going to embarrass you now. Everybody says, just put it up. Say, pray for me. I I couldn't raise him. I'm not saved. I'm not sure. Pray for me. Just put your hand up. Just put it up. Put it up. And let me pray for you. All right. Let's stand together for prayer. Our heads are bowed. Now, uh, we're going to give an invitation in just a moment. And if you're not saved, we'd like for you to come. Jesus died on the cross, public, naked, and shame for you. He says you confess him before men. He'll confess you before his Father. You deny me, he'll deny you. Matthew ten thirty two and thirty three, and and then there's things that Christians need to do. It's one thing to come to church and attend church and even give some money to church. Another thing to be a member. I mean, that's where you put your you put your testimony on the line. This is what I believe. I believe what this church believes, and and this is where I want to be a member. This is my family. This is my spiritual family. And if you're not a member of the church, as this one young lady is getting baptized today, you come. If you've been baptized. Properly, scripturally, they'll take you. They'll take your word. They'll take a letter. If you're saved and you want to join the church, you come. If you're out of fellowship with God, you come. Let's have prayer. If you're not saved, if you have a friend, speak to him. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Just come. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. 541. Only trust him. 
Come every soul by sin and press. There's mercy with the Lord. Only trust Him. You come right now while we sing. God help you. Come every soul by sin and press. Mercy with the Lord. And He will surely give you rest by Only trust Him. Only trust Him. He will save you. He will save you. Will save you now. For Jesus shed His precious blood. Rich blessings to bestow. Plunge now into the crimson flood that only trust Him. Only trust Him. Come on, while we sing, God help you. Only trust Him now. He will save you. He will save you now. Yes, Jesus is the truth, the way that leads you into rest. Believe in Him without delay, and you are fully blessed. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will find you, He will save you.
come and we're just going to collect those green slips. And uh, Brother Franz is going to do his best to add them up uh, while we're waiting for Tammy uh, uh, to come for the baptism here. And so if we can have our ushers come at this time. disconnect the mic here. Pray for us. We're working on whoa, a different pulpit system here. But uh, until we get there, okay, make sure you're in the center and you won't be able to get back and sit down. All right, Tammy, if you want to come right on up here. This is one of our favorite things at Open Door Bible Baptist Church is when someone gets saved. Baptism is your public identification. It's telling the world. Now, of course, we can't get the whole world in here, but uh, all the witnesses that we have here today, your witnesses that Tammy has trusted the Lord as her personal Savior. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Amen. Are you trusting in anything else to get you to heaven? I'd like to ask everybody this question. Is that water going to get you any closer to God than you are right now? No, it doesn't. It just tells everybody that you have that relationship. Amen. It is the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That salvation is not something a church gives to you. It's something Jesus gives to you. And we praise the Lord that Tammy was willing to come this morning. On your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk Amen. in the newness Amen. of life. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right. And we can have the pulpit back up, guys. 
Now this is the regular offering of our church. Let us give unto the Lord. All right. Brother Teddy, would you ask God to bless the offering? more time there, Brother Franz? Okay, we're going to need some more time, so what we'll do is uh, we'll uh, sing our benediction, and if you want to stick around for 10 minutes or so, we'll give you, otherwise, you can come tonight and we'll give you the total, all right? Uh, Let's stand together, 705, if you need the words, 705. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. with us this morning.